right, let's go ahead and get started. Uh, this is one of my favorite chapters. I, I love it so much. Um, so did anybody, to start off with, while well, we're kind of waiting for people to, to filter in, did anybody have any fun um, uh, insights or, or anything with the, the homework assignment there of, of reading lecture third or the King Follett sermon or studying the choices given to the, the three Nephites and, um, and John the Beloved? Um, anybody have anything to share? <laughs> I read up on the three Nephites. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't see where they were given a choice, but I did see where the of the twelve, nine chose one and three chose another. Mm -hmm. um, but it was like that's what they desired. I didn't. I didn't see a choice. So you'll have to share with us the choice. Oh yes. So yeah. Sometimes we kind of have to to read in um, uh, some of the parts of it, uh, kind of like. Um, on page 145, um, what will thou give me presupposes that God had instructed Abraham to ask for whatever he desired. And so that's kind of the um, part that I uh, wanted to kind of tie in with those scriptures uh, about the, the three Nephites and the John the Beloved, um, kind of presupposing and um, taking what was... Um, chosen between the two different groups of people and, and kind of seeing what those choices might have been and, and if they were at all different with the other people that were translated, uh, etc. Yep. All right. So um, if there's nothing else, uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and dive into chapter seven and we'll kind of answer some of those uh, questions as we are reading through it. Um, so yeah, chapter seven, the, the vision uh, of Abraham, his apocalypse, uh, the ascension of Abraham, I guess you'd say. Um, this one rocked my world the first time I read it and I was like, holy cow, this is, this is everything. Um, I, I don't know how you come back from this, I guess you'd say. <laughs> and so um, what all did you learn that was new for you or... Um, uh, insightful experiences as you read chapter seven. Um, how did you connect with Abraham uh, through reading these um, these parts of his journey? You know, for me, I don't think I'd ever really equated and realized that he had his calling and election made sure, been whatnot, and and as a result had their bodies renewed which would have given sarah the opportunity to have children i guess i i never connected the dots there mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's amazing to um that actual renewal is what brought about isaac and oh well now that you say that of course it does but but i i hadn't connected those dots either think about what he wanted more than anything was to be part of Zion. And Zion is a terrestrial sphere. Mm -hmm. And President Nelson's telling us to build Zion. So then how does that relate to us? Mm -hmm. And being prepared to meet the city of Enoch. And we know in the millennium, it will 
be telestial. So I've done a lot of pondering this week. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. I thought it was a terrestrial. Yeah, terrestrial. I started saying that and then I was like, no, it's alphabetical. And then <laughs> I guess my brain just got weird. <laughs> So, You're right, Kathy. It's terrestrial. Is terrestrial. <laughs> Not that I think I know everything. Let me tell you. I'm just telling. I'm just saying. Well, I know it's alphabetical, and obviously, when I thought about it, I didn't even know alphabetical. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I know that was one thing. If I could change what the Lord named things, any any names, I would change those right there. <laughs> I can because, get the celestial one just fine, but the telestial well, because terrestrial. <laughs> we're earthly, which is terra firma, right? So it mm -hmm. should be, we're in a terrestrial field. That's why I always have trouble with those two. Mm -hmm. And I have to just remember it's alphabetical, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But, but yeah, thanks for, for sharing those. So as we're, we're diving in here, just the first paragraph here was very insightful to me, how closely connected John Taylor was to Abraham, how he knew lots of these things before they were, um, I, I mean, they were revealed to him, but revealed to the world at, at large with um, uh, Dead Sea Scrolls, Qumran, all of these different uh, discoveries, uh, these different ancient texts that have come forth in the last century. But John Taylor knew a lot of um, a lot more insight into the life of Abraham than um, uh, than any of the contemporaries at the time. Uh, I found that very insightful. That our prophets—that's another testament um, to them being prophets, seers, and revelators—that um, they are are more closely connected with our our forefathers, those those ancient patriarchs, than than we even realize. I found that a very insightful thing just right off the bat. Um, and then we come to uh, page 144 and 145, um, where, I, I don't know, this is like the whole crux of everything to me. Um, I have written uh, here on the page, this is the most important part of the whole book. Um, it might not be for, for everyone. This was, for me, this was, was, where my whole paradigm shifted, everything changed for me. And so I just quickly walk you through kind of what my process was there. And, um, and, and then, I don't know, we'll, we'll ha have some different discussions. Hopefully I don't take it the way that <laughs> I kind of took over the discussions last time on um, the other two groups and, and was kind of teaching and stuff. I want this to be more of a, a group discussion. And I, anyway, but um. I, I found it insightful on page 144, uh, it, the second paragraph down, it says, what God told Abraham, according to Genesis, was fear not, Abram, I am a shield to you, your reward shall be very great. And then Abraham's response is on the next page on 145, um, let's see, the third paragraph down, Abraham's response, according to Genesis, was Lord God, what will thou give me, seeing I go childless? And for me, the first time I was reading this, I was like, okay, I'm not getting it, obviously, because fear not. And then we go right to a request for, for children again. And, and something just didn't quite add up. And so I was like, okay, anytime that happens, there, there means there's a mystery there for me to learn because I'm not seeing the connection. And so I think it all came down to what fear means in this context. So I'd just like to pose that question out to, to y'all. What 
when is fear good? When is fear bad? When should we fear God? When should we not fear God? Like, what does fear mean to us in a gospel context and in relation to our, our higher covenants and blessings? That, that's a, a loaded question. Take a moder- minute to ponder it. <laughs> I think in this part, it's almost like, don't worry. Like, mm-hmm. don't worry, Abraham. I like rest easy. I'm God and I can do all things. So don't, don't worry about it. Like, don't, I don't want to say don't worry about it, but don't like, don't concern yourself with it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, don't look beyond the mark here. Like, uh, fear not. Um, like have faith in me i can yeah, do all faith. things mm-hmm. yeah i don't know mm-hmm. yeah you guys sure. probably have better thoughts <laughs> no not at all that's what we're we're here to discuss and throw things out there i think um also the fear when you when you fear god it's more of a respect and and a wanting to to do better and a love for him rather than a a fear like the normal fear that you that you feel that dehabilitates you and you know makes you not be able to do anything i think if you fear god then more you respect and love him and and want to to do right by him that's just that's just my view anyway. Yeah, for sure. Because like in that case, the fear is more of a, a respect and not like a, a trembling, scared, little uh, kind of cowardly right. way about going about things. Huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that, that both of those are, are very much part of it. So I like page 144 where it says only those who truly fear God cannot be without fear or can be without fear of man. And I thought, boy, isn't that the summation of life? <laughs> yep. Except I think these are two different fears. I kind of hate that word fears God because, you know, how often are we taught like you can't have faith and fear at the same time? And so I kind of wish it was like only one who truly respects God, whatever synonym you want to put in there, has faith in God can be without fear of man. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I liked that too. Neil, wasn't that Neil that said that? Um, no, that was me. Sorry. Yeah. If you read the next sentence, it kind of explains what you just said. It says mm-hmm. the courage and strength of character needed to face the trials and tribulations of our world can only come from a deep and abiding faith mm-hmm. in God and his goodness. Yeah. So I like that. Kind of I do like I do like the play on words with fearing God and not, and then not fearing man. So I do like the play on words, but I like that better that having a faith in God and in his goodness. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Thank you, Stefan. Yeah, for sure. I think um, the fear that motivates us to repentance is more like a fear that to want to be better, not a fear that we're scared of him, but we but we want to raise up to him is also different like anything that motivates us to to be better to repent is good that's a good kind of fear right Mm -hmm. so kind of like kind of like you're afraid you won't live with him again 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not a fear of him, but fear right. that, oh, I won't meet the mark or, you know. Right. Yeah, I like that. I, think also- I always think of the DNC where it says, you know, if you're prepared, you shall not fear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a perfect segue into it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, in in this whole context of um, this chapter of Abraham uh, ascending and receiving his blessings, um, fear took on another meaning to me, uh, as well as all of these. Um, I, it it seems like, and that's why I kind of gave the homework assignments I did um, with the the three Nephites and with um, John the Beloved and and here on page 145 it says what wilt thou give me presupposes that God had instructed Abraham to ask for what he desired um and and it made me really inwardly contemplate like all right have I been given a choice and do I fear God um have I been presented with with choices like if I were to, to meet the Savior, get my calling election mature, and um, get the, the grand question, what is wanted? Like, I don't know. What would I choose? What, like, what are the choices? What are the different options that I can have? Kind of the thing. And so um, I think that that's where um, this book really uh, transformed my paradigm and, and shifted it directly to the temple. And um, in essence, fear not means... I mean, not, I'm not saying this as the definitive answer, but to me, this is what um, fear means. It's don't be afraid to ask for whatever you want. Like, I'm a loving God and I will literally give you anything when you come to me and fulfill my law, my covenants, my commandments, and, and that if you are worthy to receive the, the Holy Spirit of promise and the second comforter, etc., you can literally have your, the desires of your heart if they're in line with God's will. So fear not. Like, don't be afraid to ask for, for things. And, and look at the three Nephites. They were almost a little fearful of like, well, we kind of want this, but we're kind of scared to ask about it. Fear not. Ask away. I, like, here I am, arms wide open. I, I'll I'll literally give you the desires of your hearts. And, and, you know, he knows what our desires are. And and for him to say, fear not, I've got this ready and and waiting for you kind of a thing. But most of our blessings do not get um, just thrown at us uh, as ungrateful children until we ask, until we're worthy and, and willing to receive those things, know that those things are possible and ask. There's, there's a lot to the asking. And I think that that um, brought a new, uh, deeper meaning for me on fear not. Uh, it, it changed the way that I pray, the way that I approach God through covenant, um, approach the veil in the temple. Um, I mean, that, this is huge. As we are being endowed with power from on high, we're being shown what are the choices. And then in in a rehearsal mode in, in dress rehearsals we were asked what what do you want what is wanted well what what do you want and and i hope that that would be a question that you would ask introspectively throughout the this next week what do you want and and how do you get there um by living the abrahamic covenant 
how do you let God prevail enough that you have the faith that it uh, that is necessary to believe that God exists and know that you can can see Him face to face and and receive any blessing that you desire as long as your will is is aligned with His. I think that that is, is so huge. It, it's just key to to everything about the gospel in the latter days and the blessings that we're we're trying and trying to to aim for personally as families as as zion building communities um anyway that that just changed my whole uh perspective and, and paradigm this weekend um i i thought that that was a very uh, key point of of the book but um if anybody has any thoughts or questions you can open it up to that if not we'll we'll head I on do. To as you were as you were speaking i mean my mind was working and i'm wondering how much of what we desire in this life was what we desired in the pre-existence? That's very key. And is it, uh, I mean, President Nelson's talked about finding our mission in this life. Is that part of what it is? Is finding out what it was we desired in the pre-existence, what we came, I mean, obviously, Abraham qualified somehow to have the stature that he is now in the pre-existence. And going back to what I talked about last week, that uh, scripture in DNC about the more that you gain in this life will be more the advantage in the next life. So obviously he gained a lot in the pre-existence to have more the advantage in this life. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. yeah for sure so then is part of our mission to find out what it is that we desired yeah to find out who we were primordially what we wanted what the desires of our hearts were and then why we even chose to come to this earth to get bodies and and fulfill that make it come full circle and and attain those blessings that we once desired yeah i love that I think one thing that maybe holds me back at times is the people that I know that are potentially, you know, entered into God's presence, alive or dead, are those who have gone through great trials. It's it's not just magic. You don't, oh, I woke up, I got faith today, I'm going to, it's it's done. It's mm -hmm. Abraham, it's, you know, Joseph Smith, it's President Nelson, you know, it's, it's some yeah, of the 12 that, that you see that. I mean, they go through incredible health, family, financial, whatever the case may be, but they're tested. Yeah. They're tested to the very core. And sometimes I'm a little afraid of that test. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> and that's where the, the other uh, definition of fear comes in, too. <laughs> fear not. I wonder, <laughs> I wonder if sometimes we don't, like, I just think, oh, I haven't had that test. But then when I look back over some of the things that I've experienced in life, it's like, oh, that was actually really pretty rough. Mm -hmm. um, like I said last week, I'm always just kind of optimistic. So then I kind of forget what those trials were, or I'm just so optimistic through them or whatever. But I wonder if sometimes we don't give ourselves enough credit for what we've overcome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, in, uh, I'm starting to prepare all of this stuff for, for Isaiah decoded, uh, for this next semester and stuff. And 
um, on uh, one of the, the first things in, in chapter two, it talks about the, um, the depths of humiliation or the, the uh, humbling process that happens before we are exalted and brought up. We have to dive down deep in order to, to reach heights and, and stuff. And it just, it resonates with me so much that like, that's why we have the, the trials that we do and, and they are to exalt us. And and sometimes I, I've, I've been like uh, Althea a lot that, um, well, I, I've had it pretty easy. I haven't went through much, but there, there's been many times that as I've looked over and poured over all of my many little trials, um, I, I see that they all were leading to um, those little blessings and then bigger blessings. And, and it is seeming to, to ramp up and stuff. I, I'm definitely not in the, the depths of a, a huge main Abrahamic test, but there's these little Abrahamic tests all along the way that, that test and try us. But sometimes in retrospect, we go, oh man, I guess that was really hard, but I, I'm just that much stronger because of it. And so I, it, it seems easier to go through. Um, I, like right now I'm going through a couple and it's like, oh, I've got it. I've got faith and, and stuff. So I'm, I'm not really looking at them as full-on Abrahamic trials, but if you were to describe those to anybody, it would be like, oh man, I don't want to go through those. That they, they are hard, but uh, Christ is always there with us to bear us up, to give us faith so that we don't fear and that we can keep pressing on forward through it. Um, uh, something that uh, I was just in another group with, with another, uh, with some Isaiah people and um, is talking about how how tribulations are are just like the catalyst for um, how God blesses us when we when we literally have nowhere else to turn. That's when the Lord loves to to come in and and exalt us to to high blessings. Um, that that despair that um, the when when we literally give up on ourselves that I admit to ourselves, I guess, well, I can't do this. I have to have a redeemer. Then he, he comes in and, and shows us time and time again, yes, I am the one. And, and I did pay for your sins and I know exactly what you're going through. And, and here I am. Will, will you please come with me? And, and I will give you these blessings kind of thing. Fear not. I, I'm here. I am ready to, to rescue you kind of a thing. That's what he, he loves to do and, and does best. Um, anyway. <laughs> well, I've had, I've had uh, plenty. I'm, I'm, I've had plenty of trials, <laughs> plenty mm-hmm. of Abrahamic trials. Um, and um, I can certainly testify to Heavenly Father always being there. Um, one of the things that really stood out to me, this was, I bet I highlighted more in this chapter than any other chapter. Um, I really love this chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, and right at the beginning, the page 144, right at the top, this really struck me. Abraham qualified for a special relationship with God because of his exemplary relationship with his fellow beings. Um, I just love that. That's like one of the main qualifications. Um that I think we learned from Abraham is how he treats others 
and his um, charity and mercy and kindness. Anyway, I just love how that just kind of started this whole, this whole chapter. Um, mm -hmm. So anyway, I just wanted to bring that up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's a, a reply in the chat that's really good. Yeah, for sure. So Krista uh, says, I've realized that trials don't seem as bad as they may be when we're reply relying on Christ. He brings so much joy and peace even through our hardest trials. Yeah, for sure. He just got another one. Oh, yes. We have, we have to descend before we can ascend. Opposition in all things. The Savior descended to come to this earth. Yeah, yeah, very much so. I... I Reminded of my mom who had um, emphysema, mm -hmm. but she'd never smoked and they actually couldn't really diagnose it fully as emphysema because one of the criteria is you smoked. Mm -hmm. But um, I remember talking with her. She just suffered for so many years. She was on oxygen for 20 years. And I remember her saying to me one time, if I have to go through this, she goes, all my friends' children are falling away. And, it, and if I go through this and my children don't fall away, like if that's the trade-off, I'm happy to go through this. Because her friends were all fine. They didn't have, you know, an illness like that, a disease. And one that affected her every day, she didn't know if she would be able to breathe or even eat. And when she did eat, then she couldn't breathe. And um and I just have always remembered that. And I wonder if sometimes, like if there's some kind of a connection, like are sometimes our trials easier because we designed them in the pre-existence, like mm -hmm. we prepared for them. Um, and, and like, oh, who said that, that when we do it with the savior, that it helps us. But I just, that has always just stuck in my mind. I wonder if sometimes we've designed our trials Mm -hmm. yeah it, a blessing right and i guess that's kind of what you were talking about a couple chapters ago what trials have we gone through and what blessings do we qualify for and thinking about my mother-in-law maybe that was the blessing that she wanted to qualify for yeah yeah for sure yeah i've i've often wondered that um because there's there's a couple times that i've i've kind of asked like did I really say that I could do this because I don't know if I can <laughs> kind of a thing on, on a couple of different things. Um, and uh, it just makes me wonder during those times. But then uh, at the same time, I was like, I don't think a loving heavenly father would just send me into a double blind test. Uh, first being just blinded by the veil, not being able to see the, the, the preexistence, but, but also not having preparation at all, just, completely blindsided kind of a thing i it seems to me that uh, a loving heavenly father would would definitely prepare us show us and then say now I, I do have to to value because that's what mortality is all about but i've prepared you just rely on it and I've, i'm giving you the holy ghost so that he can bring to remembrance some of those things when you need them kind of thing and lead you every step of the way but yeah i i i think the, the same thing that we we definitely had some some training, some maybe some help in designing those uh, tests and trials, and um, and I think that that's where the promise comes from. Like I will never test you above your ability to 
um, to resist, or, or I'm butchering that, uh, paraphrasing, but um, that uh, we know that we can do this, and God knows that we can do it. Um, we just need to 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 keep pressing forward, kind of a thing. Cameron. Uh -huh. Yeah, this is L. I read a book a long time ago. If I can remember it, I'll post it to the group. But it was about a man. He wasn't LDS, but he lived his first 10, 12 years without the veil. Oh, and wow. he said that he chose his life, that he planned it out with God. And he got to choose or they worked it out together, his trials and what he'd have. And it was just such a fascinating book because he talked about people who are handicapped. And he said, those are the valiant ones because they chose to come here and chose to have that trial. And it mm -hmm. made me see people with handicaps so much differently yeah. because they chose to come here and have that trial. Mm -hmm. Just a fascinating book. Yeah, for sure. If you ever find I'll have to find it. I, I haven't thought of it for years. It but I can't remember what, it, I can't remember the title of it anymore. Mm -hmm. But you said so. he, he did not grow up as a member of the church or anything. No, he was not a member of the church. I, I don't even know if he was a Christian and his parents thought he was kind of just an odd little kid. And so we kind of <laughs> kept it to himself, but he, and they just thought they were imaginary friends, but he could see, you know, angels and spirits. And he just, the veil was not there until he got older. And then he just kind of lost his innocence and it just, it wasn't, I guess God didn't think it was important anymore. So he just kind of mm -hmm. grew up and grew out of it. Yeah. Very interesting. But it was very, very good book. It taught you what was really important in mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'll have sure. to see if I can find it. It's been a long time since I read it. Mm -hmm. so. yeah. And um, Joanne brings up another uh, interesting point, something that I've heard a lot before that we may have um, uh, very tough trials, but if we could trade our trials with someone else, we probably wouldn't want to. And that's totally true. I, there are sometimes like, I think of anything kind of medical, I've never been in, in that world before at all, but I'm like, oh man, if I had any kind of like medical or disease or anything like that, I would, I don't, I don't know if I'd be able to be a happy sane person kind of thing. I, I don't deal with, with that kind of stuff well. And so um, I, I'm very happy with, uh, the, the trials that I do have. I'll take those any day. <laughs> um, so uh, popping back to Abraham, where the Lord tells him to fear not, and then he goes right into um, uh, this fact about children again. So if during the, the first part of the book, we, we see that Abraham's greatest desire, as he's learning about the patriarchs, learning about the forefathers, is to be translated. And we had a good discussion uh, of this with uh, Group B on Sunday that, um, you know, many of us are, are learning about translation, knowing that that's possible and, and like, oh, yeah, like, I want to be part of the 144,000. I want to be translated uh, and, and things. And, and in here, the, the Lord is saying, fear not, ask for what your heart desires. And, and it was kind of like this, um, this test. In, in this moment that the Lord is giving Abraham, okay, now you've said you've always wanted translation. Is that your final answer? Or what do you want? What is wanted here? And, and he, he makes it clear. Now you've promised the children to me, 
and and that is my my greatest desire i i have he, he's grown you can see his development and he's now um willing to to look past that that translation um goal that that high aspiration there and and become the father of many nations uh he he wants that and as we read in the book of abraham um that that's how he chooses to start off his his memoirs here um that he desired to be a father of many nations that that is his greatest desire and so um as he does it then he is granted the desires of his heart his body is renewed and he um he and sarah's bodies are renewed and able to bear um isaac it, I, it's just so amazing here that um like i said in in the other group we talked about how um we might have this this newfound desire to to be translated or whatever but our biggest desire should be to align our our wills with the lord's what is our mission what did we um plan and decide and and choose for ourselves in the pre-existence what we 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 chose to come at this time of the earth at the, the last winding up stage, the, the latter part of the latter days as President Nelson likes to say. So what is our mission? And, and I think that's why it's so key that, that President Nelson is trying to get us to hear him, that we have to be able to find out what our mission is and then ask for it. Constantly seek, ask, seek and knock and, and fear not. Uh, I think that's so huge and um, part of our, our greatest um, test and challenge moving forward is to, to really hear him and find out, uh, align our will with his and um, start asking and receiving the, the many blessings that he's willing to pour out upon us individually and as a Zion community. Um, Cameron? Yeah. I really liked the part of 146. I like the averageness of Abraham of how like he was kind of confused. It says Abraham was wondering if he had misunderstood, yeah. thinking perhaps those promises of posterity might have been meant for his family or just to his household, but not to his own son that would come of himself. So like, I think it's okay for us to be confused and have yeah. to have to search for it. Like, now, what do you really mean by this? Like, to me, that gave me comfort. Like, oh, even Abraham didn't get it. Like, he it mm -hmm. took him a lot to figure it out. Yeah, for sure. And like, even like our patriarchal blessings. How many of us have have wondered on on a part of it or something like? Now, is that really what I'm? It seems kind of discordant with the way that my life's going. Like, is that really what you want for me? Kind of thing. And Abraham's so relatable. That's why he's he's the great friend of the scriptures, a friend of God, a friend of us, someone that um, we can look to him like, yeah, he was confused too. And, and it's so right to, to, to ask questions of the Lord. Is that, yeah, I, I love that point. I also and love in the that. end though, he got both blessings. He just didn't live in Zion because mm -hmm. he was translated, right? Yeah, for sure. There, there's a dual part of translation. Mm -hmm. So, he got the blessing just not the way he expected and how mm -hmm. often does that happen to us mm -hmm. yeah for sure yeah Chelsea go ahead 
I was going to say, I also love in that paragraph, it says this was no lack of faith in God's prayer promises. Mm -hmm. I think that sometimes we need that extra reassurance and maybe we've been told something and we still need to be like, okay, can you remind me again that this is really what's happening? Like, I just need some more reassurance, please. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yep. How many times do, do I need that on a daily basis? <laughs> like, okay, I, I just need somebody to buoy me up again. <laughs> yeah, so on that same page, I love the part where Abraham says that he's ever the seeker after further light and knowledge. Mm -hmm. That just is such a comforting thing to know that, you know, wish that we could all be like that, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Where is that part, Stefan? That's pretty much in the middle of the page. Uh, starts with how Abraham said right oh. after the JST. Genesis 15, 9 to 10. Okay. Thank you. Mm -hmm. sure. Then the next page, oh my goodness, really caught my attention about covenants. Couldn't mm. get much more graphic. <laughs> yep, for sure. Yeah. So yeah, let's let's dive into that. So um it's interesting to note that this all happens prior to the, the Mosaic law of sacrificial beasts and animals and, and things. And, and yet, I, I just kind of want to read through some of this. This is very interesting, this, um, this pattern here and how it applies to our modern temple ordinances. Um, the, the Lord instructs Abraham to prepare himself and everything necessary in our vernacular. Um, just right at the top of 147. Um, uh, the first uh, indented paragraph there. Um, the story of that ascent begins when the Lord instructs Abraham to prepare himself and every needful thing, as it says in the Doctrine and Covenants, to make a solemn sacrifice of several kinds of animals and birds, not just one, but, but many sacrifices. The sacrificial creatures of the future Jerusalem temple. And in that sacrifice, the Lord promised I will set out for you the secrets of the ages and tell you hidden things, and you shall see great things which you have not seen. For you have loved me to seek me out, and I have called you my friend or my beloved. I, oh, I, can you see that it's just ramping up? It's getting good here. The sacrifice was to be performed strictly according to the Lord's instructions while Abraham was fasting. Our, our temples are a house of fasting, a house of prayer, a house of instruction, all of those things. And in the place which I will show you on a high mountain or, or temple. After all of the preparation, as Abraham stood in the appointed place, he took the sacrificial beasts and cut them in two and arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. Um, skipping down a couple lines. When the animals are halved and laid opposite each other, and when the partners of the covenant stride through the lane that has thus been formed, they express thereby a curse upon themselves in the event that the covenant is broken. Um, saying, in other words, may the deity chop the covenant breaker into pieces like these animals. But the surprising fact in the Abraham story, which is also unique in the history of religions, is that God himself enters a communal relationship with Abraham under the forms which among men guaranteed the greatest contractual security. Oh man, I, I, if we're, we're seeing the... the the temple pattern here played out in lots of different ways. Um, if any of you have uh, went through the temple back in 70s and 80s before they, they changed and, and took out uh, some of those 
those things. You'll, you'll see some of those patterns coming through there as well. Um, but man, this is, this is, this is everything uh, about it, it. It pulls a lot of insight into our modern ordinances um, that, that this is kind of what we're doing, but definitely not with these animals and not, you know, splitting their carcasses and then walking in between them kind of a thing. But, but in essence, God and us and we are, are entering into a contractual agreement. And, and sometimes I think we do ourselves the disservice of, of not preparing well enough or not uh, helping those that are going through for the first time to, to realize the importance of the, the individual covenants before we go in. Um, I, I love Elder Bednar's talk in conference um, two or three times ago when he talked about, you know, sometimes we, we guard so much the, the information in the temple that we don't discuss what we can talk about outside the temple. And that sometimes, you know, that, that hinders people's um, covenant making and, and their perception of these, these higher blessings that they're receiving. We can, we can talk about certain things and, and he lines out what those are. I found that talk so helpful in, um, in connecting with these, these scriptures and, and the things that, that are out there for us to, to know and prepare before we enter into covenants with God. Um, but yes, uh, God and, and we enter into this uh, agreement together and we know that God will not, um, not break the covenant that, that's upon us. Um, if we choose to, to keep it or, or to, to lose it. It's ours to lose, I guess you'd say. Um, but then the, these birds of prey come in. And isn't that the way that it is? Anytime that you go to the temple, um, it, the car breaks down, you have a fight, whatever it happens. Like every time that you try to go to the temple, Satan's always there swooping in, trying to dis disrupt you, disrupt the, the people that you're going through for proxy wise, like <laughs> this pattern is, is always there. But this time it's a little bit different because of Abraham um, going into to the covenant for himself and for all of his posterity that um, much like the uh, prophets and apostles of the, of the past, that they are literally attacked by Satan physically and spiritually and they, they're taken to the brink of, of their own life, as it were. Um, 148, no longer strength in me to stand on the earth. I, I find that so interesting. And, and it's at that moment when there's literally nowhere else to turn, nowhere else to, to, to call for help or by your own strength to, to overthrow Satan, that God brings about his promise that we get through the Abrahamic covenant of God will fight our battles. When we can't do it our own, he will step in and fight our battles, whether they're in wartime or whether they're with Satan. And, and here, the angels of righteousness and iniquity disputed over Abraham, each band wishing to claim him for its own company. At that terrifying moment, Abraham heard the voice of God directing an angel to go and strengthen him. As much 
I, we compare Abraham to Joseph Smith all the time, but I mean, this is almost a, uh, a line by line comparison of, of his story as well. Uh, at that moment, when I thought all hope was lost, when I was going to succumb, I saw a pillar of light. This is the same pattern. The, the Lord works in, in that way. And he will fight our battles as we are true and faithful to our covenants. Uh, the covenants that Abraham had already entered into and been faithful to up to this point brought down the promises in this very moment. And I found that so insightful uh, reading through his um, experience here. And that it was Enoch that, that came to rescue him again. Um, uh, Enoch says um, down on the last paragraph of the page, the first thing Enoch does upon arrival is to cast out Satan from, from Abraham's presence. Depart from this man, declares Enoch. Depart, for you can never lead him astray. Much like Job, um, the same thing was, was said of him. Enoch then extended his right hand to Abraham and um, says, come with me to meet him with all speed. Um, carry through with the sacrifices you have been commanded. Um, but he's going to, to be taken up and, and seen glorious things. So this happens to Moses, to Joseph Smith, to Job, to Abraham. Every one of these uh, men are, are showing us this example of uh, prior to great and glorious visions, Satan's always going to be there. And, and it reminds me of uh, something that I was listening with Avraham Gileadi that um, anytime that um, I'm, I'm, I really need to look up the quote because I'm, I'm going to butcher it and paraphrase it, but um, that <sighs> my words are escaping me at the moment, sorry. Um, but there's that, that pattern that, that God is showing through this as we are, um, are, are fighting our, our battles with Satan kind of a thing. It, it'll come to me and I'll, I'll, I'll bring it up here in a minute. Um, but, uh, Enoch, this, this angel of the presence is, is coming to, um, to bless him in, in a miraculous way. And, it, and it's so amazing. Um, any thoughts on, on that, uh, whole experience there with, um, the, the covenant, the beast, the splitting apart before we actually dive into the, um, the ascension and, and the vision that he sees. Just, just real quickly. It's interesting to me how much Satan mimics uh, the good things that we have with, with uh, Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ and how important the, the covenants are and the temple ceremonies are and the sacrifices are, especially in the Old Testament because they all point towards Jesus Christ, right? But yet, as you look at it, Satan has his own little game plan going on with all the other sacrifices in the groves and and um, being polytheistic versus monotheistic. And the children of Israel, when they go into the new land, never do completely drive it out, which is their downfall eventually. And it's amazing that Satan always tries to take the good and create something that people will follow. And even look at all the dark things today, uh, when you follow that thread all the way through humanity. It's just amazing to me that what can be so good, Satan turns and makes it so bad. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, for sure. He, he is always counterfeiting it. For sure. All right. So now we have an interesting description of Enoch's appearance on, on 149. I find that very insightful into uh, symbolic colors and gemstones and, and things. Um, any insights there? What, what that might mean? What, why does Abraham say it this way? <laughs> I, I found that very interesting. Um, just to, to quote it, as his body was like sapphire and his face was like crystallite and the hairs of his head like snow, and there was a linen band around his head and it was like a rainbow and the robes he was wearing were purple and he had a golden staff in his hand. Very interesting. Is he a Smurf? Like, why does it say that his body's like, uh, like a sapphire? Um, so there, there's a couple different insights that, that some of the, the other groups uh, uh, were very insightful on that um, with the different gemstones on the ephod, the, the breastplate of the, the high priest in, in the Old Testament, you have the gemstones that represent the different uh, tribes of Israel and uh, which one might be sapphire, which one might be crystallite, etc. Um, and also in Revelation, uh, I have this written down somewhere. Revelation chapter 21, verses 12 through 14, it also goes through the different gemstones and talks about which direction, uh, the cardinal direction they're from. So some are in the east and west and south and north. Um, and what that was might that be, reference? Uh -huh, uh, Revelation 21. Uh, and I have written down 12 through 14, but it might be more verses than that. I can't remember. But yeah, um, it was insightful to me, more so the, the cardinal directions here, that the sapphire is in the east. East always represents God's presence. Um, and then the crystallite and, um, well, the crystallite is in the west. And, and that represents where we are, meaning that he was still uh, a mortal, but yet in a translated state. Um, that, that dichotomy of East versus West there, I found that very interesting. But I think that there's even more there that I, you know, I'm not a master of symbolism, but if anybody ever comes up with the answer there on, on his description, I would love to, to know it. Um, I found it interesting that um because this isn't the first time abraham's ascended and um well uh, ascended to to god's throne particularly so he has the vision of the past here on earth and then the vision of the future is had up in heaven and um i i don't know i when you compare the different prophets a lot of them say the same thing they they see the past the vision of the past, uh, Garden of Eden, etc., uh, while they're still on earth. But the vision of the future, you have to kind of be taken up to a different perspective in order to, to see that. And um, this is just one thought, I don't know. But as I was looking at, uh, I have an Apple TV, and sometimes it, it uh, shows different uh, scenes from either like space or from um, this, this particular one was uh, a beach boardwalk uh, kind of a thing. 
And um, the, the people that were running along the beach were so slow. I mean, it was like they were in slow motion. And I was like, why did they slow this down? There's, there's no reason that, to do that kind of a thing. But um, another camera angle of it showed that they were running quite fast. Yet when the, the camera is further away, higher up, the people were going very slowly. And, and it just made me ponder and, and think upon how God is, is so far removed from us distance-wise and, and able to, to see time in, in a very different manner. Things are, are going by very slowly. Like when you're in the car, you're, you're zooming, like you're, you're going very quickly. But as you view a car from a long ways away, that car looks like it's just going slow. It's not passing by your whole vista very quickly. And so how that must play into to time, the perception of time, being able to see all of the things as if they're happening in one current moment kind of a thing. Uh, I wondered if, if that played into it at all. But uh, interestingly, that, that these visions to, to view the future, uh, a new perspective must be achieved in order to, to see um, the, those future things. Um, and then on, on page 151, I found this so intriguing that he has an interaction with all three of the Godhead as he's introduced to uh, God Jehovah. Um, he in turn um, introduces him to the, to the Holy Ghost and, and to Heavenly Father. Uh, and then writes about those things. Um, we also know from Joseph Smith's writings that Abraham ended up with such a knowledge of the Godhead that he wrote about each of them and their individual functions and relationship. I was like, man, I would love to, to hear Abraham's perspective on each of the, the members of the Godhead and their, um, their functions and relationship. That would be such an, an intriguing read. I hope I am excited for that to be revealed. Um, so yeah, what, what other things from this grand vision um, from, from Abraham's apocalypse stood out to you um, throughout this chapter? Well, he's, he's actually taken up to uh, the, the Father and then receives all those gifts. The gifts are really interesting to me because they course, seem to correspond with the gifts that were given in the endowment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um... That's on page 150, right? Somewhere I have it written down there. Yeah, it's right in the middle. Oh, yeah. Handed a crystalline object, allowing him to read the secrets of the universe and of creation, and handed a heavenly book, uh, raised his hand, filled it to overflowing. Uh, all of these are, are temple imageries there. Sure. 
I, I found it interesting on, on page 154 that um, just right before the new section, it says that after returning to the world as God's special messenger or apostle, he would eventually be allowed to return to heaven and be given his crown, his garment, and his throne. And I mean, I think we've all grown up somewhat wondering, like, ooh, do the apostles get to see Christ? I mean, they are special witnesses, right? So do they get the grand vision or something? Um, but this just kind of was an intriguing part there. Um, returning <laughs> to the world as God's special messenger or apostle, in other words. Food for that. This is just me, but I when I think when our uh, apostles, prophets say they're special witnesses, I think this is exactly what they're referring to. My opinion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and like uh, Bruce R. McConkie, his last address, uh, he talks about the three gardens and in a way that is a little bit different than, than they're normally talked about. Um, I've ever thought anyone had, had gotten the panoramic vision. It's definitely him. <laughs> Who was that, Cameron, that you spoke of? Uh, Bruce R. McConkie, his very oh, last yeah. uh, talk before he passed away. He said, I will not know then any more than I know yeah. now that, that Jesus is the Christ. Yeah, yeah. yeah for sure. Um, I don't know about a lot of you, but this seems like so far out to me, like to be translated and all this, like you don't hear about it in church and you don't, they don't really even speak of it so much, like even in Sunday school or anything. Mm -hmm. So for me, although I've, you know, read about it and I know a little bit, it seems so far, like I could never let you know reach up to that point mm -hmm. but then um but then again like i said before and then there are parts of abraham that do seem just so average and normal so yeah. i mean i don't know do you have to get to a point where you're practically perfect before that that could happen you know mm -hmm. yeah it's, it's a very interesting process to to come to the realization that that yes it's possible and then like okay, well, how the heck do I bring my <laughs> crazy mortal <laughs> body and natural man and everything to that point? That, that seems so crazy. Um, but I think that's the, the whole crux of, of the gospel, uh, of being on the covenant path and continuing to endure to the end. Mm -hmm. um, many times, you know, that, that enduring to the end part is just kind of thrown out there and nobody really knows what it means it's just like okay well you know don't commit murder or adultery or any of those those crazy things or or whatever and and then you're be, you're gonna be good kind of a thing but there, there's so much more to it and as we have these these prophets and um examples of um the the blessings that are that are available to us and then president nelson uh goes and and talks about it in in his footnotes and in conference I, I fear that many of the, the, the members are, are living below their privileges and then the privileges mm -hmm. referenced are translation and, and some of those higher blessings that come through the powers of the priesthood. And, and then he's, he's trying to get us to understand what the, 
priesthood is and how we access heaven and, and its powers and and line upon line we start growing and and becoming and and stuff and then i think it all comes throughout our our tests and i i think that that's the main thing that that i gained from this book was realizing that it's not just one big abrahamic test that hopefully you pass kind of a thing that's the way i always kind of grew up with it but realizing that every single step of the way every day um, is a day to remember and to uh, to pass the test of that day uh, and each little trial and, and things that that we face are are little tests that bring us greater blessings and um sometimes we we just keep falling short i know last week was a hard week but the week before that it was like oh my gosh i literally can't do anything right and i just keep falling back into my same old routines my same old natural man tendencies and just oh my goodness but the the test one of the the abrahamic tests is perseverance will you keep picking yourself back up each time you fall i think that that's one of the the main ones and, and that's going to be seen throughout our whole lives and, and it's not just um it's not just a quick sprint test. It's, it's one of those, those long winded ones that, that can really be daunting. Um, and I think that that's really what it means with the endure to the end principle. Uh, are you going to be able to, to keep picking yourself up each time you fall and each time that you fail a test because failing a test is, is part of the process. We, the Lord expects us to, to fail many times, but the, the test is in picking ourselves back up trying the test again and mastering it, <laughs> it it's always but then there's also aspects of it that seem very simple to me i mean they're not simple but they are simple mm -hmm. like the one sister mentioned on here about um abraham qualifying for a special relationship just because of the relationship he had with fellow beings and then another um gentleman on here talked about just about our covenants like there are right like those those are also like easy but not easy yeah and they kind of do you think that is a big part of it too mm -hmm. yeah i think so okay. yeah for sure yeah. <laughs> it's very interesting when we get through this whole life and uh look back on on everything we'll be able to see it with a, a good perspective and everything like oh man i was just trying to, to look at it too hard there <laughs> yep but yeah uh just that perseverance and um i i think a lot of it comes down to, to knowledge and wisdom and acting upon those things asking seeking knocking and that's kind of the the pattern and, and principles that some of these early patriarchs teach us um they, they never stopped learning they they were always seeking more and and higher blessings because they knew they had the faith that their relationship with God was much more than um, the the trivial things that um, so they they were seeing in the world around them. So, isn't the I mean the purpose of this life is to get back into the Father's presence? Mm -hmm. yep. So it would only make sense that we get to decide how long that is. For some mm -hmm. reason we've all decided that doesn't happen till we die. Mm -hmm. 
but the scriptures are full of, I mean, DNC 93.1 gives us the pattern of how to do it now. And I think we just put it in our head that that's not for us. Actually, I think Satan just puts it in our head, right? That's a lie <laughs> yep. that we've all been taught. We can't do that. Yeah. And then perpetuates it on through the generations. And <laughs> yeah. I know, I know in Sunday school a few years back, I brought up DNC 93.1. It went right along with what we were talking about. And I was reprimanded immediately by a member of the bishopric going, well, I don't know. It probably won't be until we all die. And if that's the way it is, that's okay. And I was so mad. <laughs> I'm like, that's, that's what holds us back. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Like, I, I always take a look back at my first ever class at Education Week was the Doctrine and Covenants of How to Get Your Calling and Election Made Sure. And um, yeah, by Anthony Sweat, he's just an amazing, uh, he teaches in, in such a fun way. And um, I came out of that with such a new perspective on the School of the Prophets. The School of the Prophets was literally a training ground because people wanted the same blessings as Joseph. They wanted to see God um and jesus christ in the flesh and so he was like okay this is how you do it and created a whole curriculum a school around it and many of them seen christ and even a fewer number of them actually seen elohim and they wrote about it in their journals they they talked about um the, the preparations and and how the word of wisdom really is supposed to be implemented and and things and when they full-on encompassed all of the teachings that Joseph Smith taught them, they were able to, to see Christ. They were able to, to, to see Elohim walk through the room, east to west. Like these are amazing blessings and, and we live far below our privileges. <laughs> yep. So um, <laughs> we're always running out of time. Um, so it starts off with a bang and then it ends with a bang. So here we have uh, uh, just kind of a, oh, by the way, also Abraham brought down some tablets of wisdom and that's how the, the three wise men found Christ, just uh, by way of information. <laughs> I found that so intriguing. Um, yeah, how did those get passed down to them? I, uh -huh. it's, I'd love to know that. Yeah, I, I find that so intriguing um, that these these magi from the east, who were they? How did they know how to find and recognize the infant king? The magi are said to have called their religion Keshrei Ibrahim, the creed of Abraham, whom they considered as their prophet and reformer of their religion. They traced their religious books to Abraham, who was believed to have brought them from heaven. According to this tradition, it was books brought down by Abraham from the throne of Jesus, which guided the magi to the manger to worship the infant king of heaven. It's like, and you're just going to end there? <laughs> I, I tell you, I, I love this book and I love um, all of the, the structure and everything that he puts in here. But um, anyway, found that very interesting as uh, studying about the, the Magi, the, the Tablets of Wisdom and, and etc. So really quickly, I'm going to jump ahead to the homework and then pop back for final thoughts. Um, uh, announcement, if you hadn't seen, um, on March... Uh, 21st. It's um, going to be a little bit different. We have the author, E. Douglas Clark, coming on um, March 21st. It's a Sunday at 6 p.m. 
uh, we will not be having the Tuesday class that week, um, um, this one, uh, because that's the, the week that we're going to be studying chapter 11. And, and so both of the, the Sunday groups won't be able to, to discuss chapter 11 that week. And so uh, we're just going to postpone that one to the next week. Um, and then is he just going to speak? He's just going to like give a talk or we can ask questions or. Oh yeah. It's going to be just a, a question and answer format. Wow, yeah, so if you want cool. to submit any questions uh, uh, ahead of time, uh, you're more than welcome to email those to me and, and then I can forward those on. It'll be forward uh, uh, emailing him uh, later this week with, with some of my own questions and, and some from, from the other groups. Um, but yeah, uh, it, and you don't have to pre-ask a question. Uh, you can just come to class and, and ask a question as well. But um, that's going to be Sunday at 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. I don't know if it's going to be one hour, two hours. I, I, I need to get with him and, and talk about logistics and, and all of that. But um, yeah, so we're not going to have class on, on that week, but uh, March 21st, 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. And, and the same Zoom link and, and everything. And all of the groups are going to be together. Yep. Um, so homework for chapter eight. Uh, chapter seven is obviously my favorite chapter, but chapter eight is a close second. It's very great. Um, but uh, three different things to, to look for. Um, if you could make a list of all of the prophets that have ever pled for the people, whether the people of their own dispensation or the, the whole world, uh, anytime that they're branching out besides themselves and their family and pleading for the people, uh, i.e. Enos is a great example of a pleading for the people. Uh, make a list of all of those prophets that have pled for the people and see how that plays out through chapter eight. And then uh, a second point to ponder as you're reading chapter eight is we're introduced to um, Ishmael. So Isaac's brother Ishmael and ponder how Ishmael's posterity is going to bless the latter days. And um, yes, we have the covenant blessings of Isaac, um, but what role does uh, Ishmael and his posterity play in the latter days? And then um, review uh, Jacob's ladder, or um, the if you're familiar with Avraham Gileadi, um, the, the seven different levels of um, ascending to ascending the ladder to heaven, kind of a thing. Um, I will post those on on the group as well, so you can take a look at those if you're not familiar with them. Um, but that would be a, a third thing. Again, homework's optional, but it, it'll greatly enhance your your reading of, of chapter eight. Um, Not having studied Jacob's Ladder, I just am curious. I just have a suspicion that that goes right along with the Beatitudes. Oh, interesting. I, I connected feel like the Beatitudes is not, oh, am I the one that's a poor in spirit? I have all, I just feel like it's an ascension. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I'm going to pull that into the, my study of it this week. Yeah. I haven't quite grasped it all yet, but, mm -hmm. I, but I, I feel like it's kind of the same thing that it's an ascension. Oh, it's a uh -huh. There's a, oh, yeah. there's a, I can't remember what city it is, but in Europe, somewhere in the middle East, there is a church that has steps that has the beatitudes written on it so it is an ascension one mm -hmm. plays off the next one and mm -hmm. you it is 
That's interesting. That's super interesting. Because I did a study on it once and I'll have to find it. But yeah, I do. Because I I feel like it is an ascension. It's a it's like a Jacob's ladder, the same mm -hmm. thing. Like how yeah. it yeah, is. Very interesting. Yeah. Um, so yeah, any final thoughts on, on chapter seven? Any insights you learned, things that we missed and you want to talk about real quick? I just wanted to share that, um, I don't know, maybe two years ago, it was before we moved up here, we had Elder Cook come. And um, in the adult session, and he did this with the missionaries too, at the very end, he said, I realize that we don't talk about this enough, but I want you to know that I know the Savior's voice and I know who he is. And I just thought that, I mean, the power and the spirit. And then I think we ended up singing for the closing song, Onward Christian Soldiers. And it just didn't seem <laughs> appropriate. <laughs> but because that was the very last thing he said. But we talked about that, that it's something reserved for just the prophets and apostles. And that's how they're special witnesses. But I felt like what he was saying was, this is not just for me. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not anyone special. I'm not different, you know, other than my ordination and calling as an apostle. Mm -hmm. But it was like, this is, I want you to know that this is attainable. Mm -hmm. was the impression. It was just powerful. Powerful. Yeah. yeah thank you for sharing. So I'd just like to say that studying Abraham has really given me an appreciation um for who he is and even more so with um i'm pretty good friends with uh, the leader of the islamic uh, community here in, in uh, utah and um listening to him speak about abraham and the reverence that he has for abraham it's just fascinating now to read these things and say oh my goodness what I, 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 there's no wonder why they honor and revere him so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I see that the Elle did post that uh, book that she was talking about there in the chat. Um, I'm glad you found it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so if there's nothing else, we'll, we'll go ahead and, and say goodnight for the night. But, um, yeah, thanks for, for coming and, and chatting it up each week. I, I, I look forward to my Tuesday so much. <laughs> all right. We'll, we'll see you all later. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks, Cameron.